Section 118 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 149 London, June 24th, Old Style, 1751 My dear friend, Air, address, manners, and graces are of such infinite advantage to whoever has them, and so peculiarly and essentially necessary for you, that now, as the time of our meeting draws near, I tremble for fear I should not find you possessed of them, and, to tell you the truth, I doubt you are not yet sufficiently convinced for their importance. There is, for instance, your intimate friend, Mr. H., who, with great merit, deep knowledge, and a thousand good qualities, will never make a figure in the world while he lives. Why? Merely for want of those external and showish accomplishments, which he began the world too late to acquire, and which, with his studious and philosophical turn, I believe he thinks are not worth his attention. He may very probably make a figure in the Republic of Letters, but he had ten thousand times better make a figure as a man of the world and of business in the Republic of the United Provinces, which, take my word for it, he never will. As I open myself without the least reserve, whenever I think that my doing so can be of any use to you, I will give you a short account of myself. When I first came into the world, which was at the age you are of now, so that by the way you have got the start of me in that important article by two or three years at least, at nineteen I left the University of Cambridge, where I was an absolute pedant. When I talked my best I quoted Horace. When I aimed at being facetious I quoted Marshall and when I had a mind to be a fine gentleman, I talked Ovid. I was convinced that none but the ancients had common sense, that the classics contained everything that was either necessary, useful, or ornamental to men, and I was not without thoughts of wearing the toga virilis of the Romans, instead of the vulgar and illiberal dress of the moderns. With these excellent notions I went first to The Hague, where, by the help of several letters of recommendation, I was soon introduced into all the best company and where I very soon discovered that I was totally mistaken in almost every one notion I had entertained. Fortunately, I had a strong desire to please, the mixed result of good nature and a vanity by no means flammable, and I was sensible that I had nothing but the desire. I therefore resolved, if possible, to acquire the means, too. I studied attentively and minutely the dress, the air, the manners, the address, and the turn of conversation of all those whom I found to be the people in fashion, and most generally allowed to please. I imitated them as well as I could. If I heard that one man was reckoned remarkably genteel, I carefully watched his dress, motions, and attitudes, and formed my own upon them. When I heard of another, whose conversation was agreeable and engaging, I listened and attended to the turn of it. I addressed myself, through de très mauvais grâce, to all the most fashionable fine ladies, confessed, and laughed with them at my own awkwardness and rawness, recommending myself as an object for them to try their skill in forming. By these means, and with a passionate desire of pleasing everybody, I came by degrees to please some, and I can assure you that what little figure I have made in the world has been much more owing to that passionate desire of pleasing universally than to any intrinsic merit or sound knowledge I might ever have been master of. My passion for pleasing was so strong and I am very glad it was so, that I own to you fairly, I wish to make every woman I saw in love with me, and every man I met with admire me. Without this passion for the object, I should never have been so attentive to the means, and I own I cannot conceive how it is possible for any man of good nature and good sense to be without this passion. 
Does not good nature incline us to please all those we converse with, of whatever rank or station they may be? And does not good sense and common observation show of what infinite use it is to please? Oh, but one may please by the good qualities of the heart, and the knowledge of the head, without that fashionable air, address, and manner, which is mere tinsel. I deny it. A man may be esteemed and respected, but I defy him to please without them. Moreover, at your age, I would not have contented myself with barely pleasing. I wanted to shine and to distinguish myself in the world as a man of fashion and gallantry, as well as business. And that ambition or vanity, call it what you please, was a right one. It hurt nobody, and made me exert whatever talents I had. It is the spring of a thousand right and good things. I was talking you over the other day with one very much your friend, and who had often been with you, both at Paris and in Italy. Among the innumerable questions which you may be sure I asked him concerning you, I happened to mention your dress, for to say the truth it was the only thing of which I thought him a competent judge, upon which he said that you dressed tolerably well at Paris, but that in Italy you dressed so ill that he used to joke with you upon it, and even to tear your clothes. Now I must tell you that at your age it is as ridiculous not to be very well dressed, as at my age it would be if I were to wear a white feather and red-heeled shoes. Dress is one of various ingredients that contribute to the art of pleasing. It pleases the eyes at least, and more especially of women. Address yourself to the senses, if you would please. Dazzle the eyes, soothe and flatter the ears of mankind. Engage their hearts, and let their reason do its worst against you. Suavite in modo is the great secret. Whenever you find yourself engaged insensibly, in favor of anybody of no superior merit nor distinguished talents, examine and see what it is that has made those impressions upon you and you will find it to be that douceur that gentleness of manners that air and address which i have so often recommended to you and from thence draw this obvious conclusion that what pleases you in them will please others in you for we are all made of the same clay though some of the lumps are a little finer and some a little coarser but in general the surest way to judge of others is to examine and analyze one's self thoroughly when we meet I will assist you in that analysis, in which every man wants some assistance against his own self-love. Adieu. End of section 118. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.